dear ones. You're listening to the What God Is Not podcast with Father Michael O'Loughlin and Mother Natalia. Hello, listeners. This is Father Michael, and today's episode is Mother Natalia's. Uh, she is talking about the retreat she went on and uh, the big book, Alcoholics Anonymous, steps six and seven, that even though she's not an alcoholic, thank God, um, she certainly, like all of us, has other addictions. <laughs> And uh, she's not saying anything, but I'm watching her right now laugh and spit spit soda through her nose. Um, so you talks about how uh, ties into the Chronicles of Narnia and how we cannot heal ourselves. Um, and even when we ask Christ to heal us, we oftentimes bargain with him to keep some of our unhealth, to keep some of our sins because we're attached to them and how, how dangerous that can be. And in that way, we, we actually hinder Christ's healing of us. And yet... He is eternally patient with us. He already knows the ways that we're bargaining. He already knows the ways we're hindering us. And he trusts in the process that he will guide us in as well as we go through this process of letting him heal us and give us all the good things that only he can give. Oh, uh, I was trying to read my own handwriting here. Um, also, if you do listen to the banter, you will hear an instance where I may or may have not told a child that they're going to die and, uh, and the family's reaction. Um, so, if you are a hashtag banter hater, you can skip 11 minutes and 35 seconds after the end of this recording. Glory to Jesus Christ. Glory forever. Hi, Father Michael. Hello, Mother. Uh, I think the last few times we've recorded, it's felt like it's been a really long time since we've recorded. I think it's is that, because is that happening we. Again? Yeah, I think it's because it, we're actually recording like once a week right now. And. We've had stints where we just record two or three in a week, and so then yeah. when it's actually a full week, it feels really strange. Yeah. But what's what's going on with? Is it my schedule, or your schedule that has created the? I mean, I might our travels, obviously, mm-hmm. my Holy Land travels. But recently, is it? I, th- I think it must be your schedule. I think it's both. Yeah, it was my retreat, your Holy Land, and then my Hilton Head. But we recorded while I was there. Mm. And then now next week I'll be going on home visit, but we'll mm. record them too. So nice. Yeah, that'll be good. And then I tried to record one. I talked about this last time, but I tried to record one with mm. Rachel Schmidt, and then that one was lost, which was a bummer. Yeah, uh, you should try that again because she's awesome. We're going to. She's going to be okay. here in August. So we'll do it in ah, person. Nice. And nice, then nice. I'm thinking of trying to um, rope. Father will rep into recording tomorrow, so mm. he doesn't know that. <clears throat> Which um, <laughs> he's just like, he's just super humble. So he's one of the most humble people I know. Are you? Do you know him, Father Will? I do. He was. Uh, he obviously entered seminary after me, uh-huh. but um, whenever I'd go back for vocations things, he was one of the seminarians. And then when he was the spiritual director of the seminary, I had a few chats with him too. So. Yeah, yeah, he's so good. Great so guy, humble. obviously. Yeah. Yeah, probably the youngest spiritual director the seminary's ever had. Yeah. And probably will ever have. That's mm-hmm. a sign. He's like, yeah, he's just a monk at heart, but mm. he listens sometimes. So if he's hearing this, he's mm. absolutely horrified right now. <laughs> <laughs> Poor man. <laughs> what a loser. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, let's let's talk about let's how terrible he is. <laughs> um, he'd probably be much more comfortable with that. So um this uh I was talking with Perla a little bit the other day and um, not really talking. I sent her a message because, well, 
we were communicating about my home visit, but then also I sent her pictures of my niece and nephew and the camping pajamas that my parents got for them because they're just like the cutest things. Um, and then they're sorry. Can you describe what camping pajamas are? Like just PJs for them when they're camping. Oh, okay. Like they've got little like, bears on them and things like that, and they're just footy pajamas. And so someone is making a pretty penny off of convincing grandparents that they need to buy their grandkids <laughs> pajamas specifically for camping when all they are is footy pajamas with bears on them. <laughs> Whatever. Um, <laughs> they're real cute. Uh, this is how entrepreneurs make money. That's true. And then tap into that. Anyways, when I was talking to her, she mentioned that she said something about Jelly, uh, my goddaughter, um, Angelica. She saw a nun recently and called her a godmother. Like in her mind, nuns are godmothers. And because her godmother just happens to be a nun, (laughs) her godfather is a priest. And then when uh, I told her that at my life profession, she was sitting on Mother Gabriela's lap. And she says to Mother Gabriella, Jelly, not Perla. That'd be weird. <laughs> jelly, <laughs> jelly says to Mother Gabriella, um, are you my brother's godmother? And Mother Gabriella said, no. And, and Jelly just goes, well, then whose godmother are you? <laughs> like, <laughs> like, you're a nun. Obviously, you're a godmother. <laughs> really funny. We, we had a funeral this morning, and um, this little girl, It was she's probably like almost two, and watching her process her grandmother's death was just I thought I don't like parent this is one aspect of parenting you just cannot prepare for Mm -hmm. so the family wanted to watch which I think is really beautiful they wanted to watch the the body go all the way into the ground which I do too I think that's a beautiful part but but the problem was is that the setup they had for the um, interment service was was like on the top of a hill, and then the the place where they were going to bury the body was down the hill. So they didn't want us sitting on a gre- at this angle. So they had us do the interment service at the top, and then they had to get a, a tractor to move the entire thing down the hill to put her into the ground. Mm. And then they also don't want people filming. It's it's like the politics of this are very weird because mm. they actually had to hire a security guard. So the security guard just shows up just to put the body in the ground. And he stands there watching the whole thing. And so all of us are like, why is the security guard here? I think it's because it probably has happened where the workers will steal whatever's in the tomb. They'll take the top off oh and they'll steal jewelry and things like terrible. that. So now they have to have, they whether that's happened or not, they've probably been accused of it. So yeah. then they have a security guard there. And then they also have to not, they actually people not to film. And we don't, again, we don't know this. This is all speculation. But when we're watching them from a distance, like, you know, they, sometimes they have to pull up the, the gravestone from the tomb next to it, you know, because mm. this is massive tractors. They're pouring all this dirt from a truck. It's just, mm-hmm. it's so unsacred. Mm-hmm. It's so profane. It's so normal. And it's, that it can be off putting. Like, this is my loved one. I want, the, I want this burial to be special. I want everybody to be as, Moved. It's so unromantic. Yeah. Yeah. It's 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 just so it's just so basic, you know. And so uh, we saw them like have to pull up the gravestone next. Like, of course, they don't want that recorded because what if that's their family member and the, it goes mm-hmm. online? They like literally just pulled up my mom's gravestone, you yeah. know. But they got to do this. They have to do it because of the way they they move everything and the the the, the equipment they use. So anyway, this poor little girl is seeing them. You know, lift her grandmother up by a tractor, drive her down the hill, you know, kind of put her into the ground. And like she just had kind of a meltdown. Mm. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, like, like, what are they doing to grandma? Why are they putting her under the ground? And so her family's like trying to say, well, she's a Jesus now. That's just her body. But how do you, how do you say that to a little kid, you know? Yeah. Um, so I thought, well, this, this will be a core memory yeah. <laughs> for this when, little girl. When we went, when we had Gigi's funeral, uh, we went to the cemetery and Matthew, um, our listeners are probably familiar with Matthew, the five-year-old. Um, and he gets, I don't know how he got this in his head, but he gets out of the car at the cemetery um, and he just goes, where's our shovel? Oh. And we are like, what do you mean, Matthew? And he's like, we have we have to dig the door. We have to put the dirt on her. Where's our shovel? <laughs> we were like, we have to put like the what? shovel, the dirt on her. He's oh, like the, the, the kid. Like he thought that we <laughs> dig the grave. Oh. Um, and well, we probably should be doing this. Yeah, closure I know. There. Um, and it was just like, yeah, it was real sweet. He just and so he was very upset because he was like, I didn't bring a shovel. <laughs> we were like, it's gonna be okay, Matthew. They're gonna do that for us. Um, yeah. The parents are like trying to explain to her, you know. She's with with Jesus, and she's happy now, and you don't need to cry anymore. And I was like, I just walked up, and I was like, "Look, you're gonna die too. Like th- this happens to all of us, little one. You know." Oh my gosh, you're kidding. <laughs> okay, I was like, "You didn't. You didn't. What is wrong with you? You're a terrible human being." Oh, you had me for sure. I am anyway, but that I did still didn't do that. Yeah. <laughs> Not in that way. Oh, okay. Well, this is nothing to do at all with what I want to talk about for my topic. Okay. That's okay. We're just we're, just we're not going to ease in. No. <laughs> so, speaking of death, um, <laughs> no, actually, uh, I mean, kind of. So, I wanted to share. A, <laughs> actually, no, I'm not starting the topic. I just wanted to say we have the best listeners. We <laughs> we talked. We did an episode a couple of weeks ago about. <coughs> um, like someone had made a negative comment about me on the Matt Frad interview and we were kind of like unpacking that in the episode. We've had so many emails, like probably five or six emails from people who are just like, (laughs) just super affirming of me. And I I don't want you to feel insecure about this. You're wonderful. You're an eloquent spirit. Like it's just really real sweet. And I was like, oh. It's like the responses that I got when you made me that mug. That coffee mug. Um, For our new listeners, mother, as a joke and as a beautiful joke that I thought was hilarious, made me made me a mug that said "worst priest ever" because I (laughs) I had said that at some point referring to myself, and so she made a mug that said "worst priest ever," and I posted it on social media. Then turned my phone off to go to a hockey game, (laughs) and came back to Facebook with like a hundred people saying whoever sent you that is a total whatever <laughs> you're amazing and all these stuff I was like oh my I'll gosh no 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 I was like no 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 it was a joke she loves me I promise thank god I didn't no. put who it was Ugh. so maybe I'm gonna yeah, I'll just start airing all of my insecurities on our podcast that way yeah. our listeners can oh. send me the oh. for me. guys I'm feeling really fat today <laughs> no I'm just kidding um <laughs> So, anyways, I don't know what made me think of that, but our listeners. Are you just great. need to put you need to put Andrew Whaley's text to you on <laughs> as a background on your phone, so you wake up. Everything you do is magic. And every wake, every morning you wake up. Oh, thank you, Andrew. Yeah, Whaley. except I don't have a phone, and on oh, well, the occasion that I have one for travel, it's not just like by my bed. Just put it put it over your bed, then just paint it onto your ceiling, so that it's the first thing you see when you wake up. Everything you do is magic, Andrew. You Whaley. can get like wallpaper. Printed, so I could like oh. get that text message, like text messages from him, like printed onto <laughs> wallpaper, and just 
put that up in my cell. You just need to get one of those digital cameras that grandmas have, so all the pictures of their grandkids, like you just <laughs> upload pictures. And it's just every time Andrew Whaley sends you a text, or like me a text about you, or he like sends a female, it just pops up on this little screen. It's just all it is is Andrew Whaley texts. Oh, that's amazing. Uh, okay, that has nothing to do with anything. But, okay. um, so, uh, oh, shout out to. Um, this guy named Jack and this guy named Nathaniel. Um, and also Mike, who's not a listener, so he probably won't hear the shout out. But I met them at the parish in North Carolina um, that I went to. The Byzantine parish out there is amazing. There's just like all of these families with little kids running all over the place, and it's really amazing. So uh, I met them, and those two are listeners. And Nathaniel was really excited to meet me, and I was really excited to meet him because we're named after the same person, though he's had the name for much longer than me. Also, shout out to Ted and Sherry Rotunda, who I had, <gasps> Deacon Ted, I had dinner with last night. Oh, I'm and so glad. Awesome. Oh, yes. I'm so glad. They've been wanting to do that for a while. So these are, so remember Patreon supporters that if you give at a certain level, you get dinner with us, one of us. You yeah. can check it out on the website, Patreon. So, um, okay. What I actually want to talk about is I want to share a uh, process a little bit from my retreat that I had a few weeks ago. Uh, I, I often share about retreat like right after retreat, but I've this one I've just been needing to sit with more and, and process more. But so we went through on my retreat. Um, the retreat director and I went through steps six and seven of the Alcoholics Anonymous steps. Uh, which is very interesting because I haven't done steps one through five, <laughs> um, and nor am I an alcoholic. But <laughs> so the first um, step is acknowledging you have a problem, and you don't have a problem with alcohol, so that'd be a kind of true. weird one to do. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, but it's just I've I've shared this before, but like I actually had a priest who gave a retreat. There was a priest who gave a retreat here at the monastery one time, um, all about the twelve steps, and. And it's just amazing, like how um, applicable the twelve steps are to any addiction, um, mm-hmm. including our addiction to sin. Like mm-hmm. the entire the entirety of the twelve steps um, just describes so well what happens when we sin and what we need to do to get out of sin. And so, I've been wanting for a while to go through all of the twelve steps and. Um, I think I'm going to do that sometime soon. But the on this retreat, um, the retreat director actually suggested that this book that happens to be about steps six and seven. Um, so that's what we did. And it was interesting because not having steps one through five, uh, I, I realized it was another kind of case in point situation where I realized how... Um, how complementary the 12 steps are with, with Christianity, but in particular with monasticism. Like so much of my monastic life, I feel like has been a an inherent walking through the steps. And for for instance, like the one that's about making a moral inventory and then like uh, sharing all of those things with another person. Like that's what I did for my life confession, both before tantra and before life profession. Um, we have a life confession. And uh, I've done 
so much of that just kind of in my monastic life. And I found that to be particularly true of steps six and seven. So steps six and seven are, um, step six is being ready. Oh, I should have actually looked it up and not just paraphrased, but I'm paraphrasing here. But step six is about being ready for God to remove all of our defects. And then step seven is asking him to do that. And what's interesting is like there, there, it uses such absolute language, right? It's like, we're asking God to remove all of our defects, not some of them, not even piece by piece, but just like take all of them. You have the power to do this and take them all. And recognizing that like when that doesn't happen and there are still defects that we're living with, um, that's not because God doesn't have the power to take them away, but it's because he's allowing them. Uh, but, but to realize like he can, if he wants to, and if they're still there, then, um, he's still purifying us through them. And, or um, we're clinging to them. Or he's, that's yeah. He's still purifying us in them, but we're also clinging to mm-hmm. them. Yeah, exactly. Which we've talked about that before um, on the podcast about how sometimes um, if if certain sin is not being purged from our lives, uh, sometimes it's because we're not allowing it to be. And most often I would say it's because we're not allowing it to be. Um, but... I, I I mentioned on the podcast recently Eustace Scrubs from the Chronicles of Narnia, mm-hmm. which, oh, I don't remember who sent this. I'm so sorry. I should have looked up the email beforehand. Someone sent me a song about Eustace Scrub, and mm-hmm. it's amazing. I listened mm-hmm. to it on Spotify, and it's so good. It's not the one by the Oh Hellos. The Oh Hellos also have one, which is fine, but I like this one that this listener sent a lot more. Um, it's a really beautiful song. But... It reminded me of Eustace because the the scene that I shared on the podcast was, and it's my favorite scene from the Chronicles of Narnia, is when Eustace has been, spoiler alert, if you don't want to know this, skip ahead um, a few minutes, but Eustace has been turned into a dragon because he's a mean little boy, because he tried to steal something, actually. Um, and then uh, the way he is saved from being a dragon, the way he turns back into a little boy is Aslan, the lion, the Christ figure, um, has to claw off all of his skin, his dragon skin. And and then Aslan throws him into this cool water that um, he comes out and he's a little boy again. And and he talks about how, how painful it is, like so painful that he almost can't stand it. And um, and that it like feels like it cut to his very heart and so on and so forth. And like, that's what it feels like when we're being purified. Uh, so that image came to mind again, as I was on this retreat and I'm praying and asking God to remove my defects. I'm being like brutally honest with myself about what some of those defects are. And um, and as I'm like, so, so that image comes to mind again of Eustace. When I get home from retreat, I looked up the passage and when I looked up the passage, there was a, a big part of it that I forgot, which is that before Aslan claws his skin off, Eustace tries to do it himself mm-hmm. thrice. So he he like tears off his skin and it hurts. It's really painful. Um, but then he's like, oh, it worked. I'm better now. And then he looks down and he still has the scales. And he realized he, maybe he didn't go deep enough. So he tries this two more times. And then only after the third time... Um, 
is he kind of like, what's going on? Why can't I get it? And then Aslan's like, you have to let me do it for you. And and that really pierced me because I was like, that's my whole life. Like, that's what I do. I I try to get rid of these things on my own. And, and I think that I'm being like really honest. And I think that I'm like really making the big cuts. Uh, but it's kind of like, I don't know. It's It's kind of like almost nobody has unless it's a matter of life or death, like we can't just like amputate our own limbs, you know, yeah. um, because we, we can't get over the mental, um, the mental block of causing that much damage to ourselves. And we have to have someone else do it for us. Uh, and, and I think that's how it is. Yeah. Like we don't have the strength to really cut as deeply as we need to. And we have to turn that over to the Lord. Um, yeah. So that was kind of the the first part of it. That ties into Adam and Eve grasping at the tree. I just listened to a great uh, podcast by Jonathan Peugeot earlier today on my drive back from the cemetery, and uh, and he was talking about about all those things um, about Adam and Eve grasping and and how the fathers say God wanted to give them that fruit, mm-hmm. like He wanted to give them the fruit from that tree, which of course now we consider the Eucharist, um, but. You you can't just take it. They they took it, and God the, to, for it to be to not end in death and to be actually received and and made fruitful in their life and made made helpful to eternal life. We know now since it's just the Eucharist, um, we have to receive it. And mm-hmm. you know the, there's there's I was thinking as as we were driving, um, you know my mind right now is a lot on on just how I don't know my my mom's maybe maybe our Lord spiritually working. I hope in this, but you know we've been waiting for a Bishop for a long time. And in our eparchy, and so you have been for much less time, but you're waiting a bishop now too. And mm-hmm. and there's just something about saying, you know, I hear all these stories about about priests who have, you know, desired to become a bishop. So they they put a lot of things in place so that they can kind of get chosen, so they can be picked. And then it, it becomes like manipulation, you know. It becomes, and then 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 it's. I hope these men don't get it, you know, um, but also just because there's grasping, but God's will be done. But to get to, for even for, for a ministry like that, that nobody should want, you know, it'll be fruitful if it's received, mm-hmm. not grasped at. And, you know, I remember saying one time when I was younger, oh, well, of course, every bishop was chosen and put there by the Holy Spirit. So that it's the, it's the exact matter there should be. And the priest I was saying that to just laughed. He like laughed out loud. He's like, oh no, I wish that were the case. You know, it's obviously the case. I know now that Jesus works through that man and works through these situations. Of course he does. He, his will will always be done. Um, but but we can do a lot of manipulation in the life of the church to make things happen. And then it will not be a fruitful ministry you know, if if it's if it's something that that's grasped at, rather than something received with gratitude, but also with the understanding of of how the cross that's going to come from. Anyway, that, that was on my mind when Jonathan Michaud was telling that story. Yeah, um, and and it's it's about a receptivity, um, a receptivity to the gifts, and a receptivity to the healing, and a receptivity to the pain, um, and the healing and pain are both gifts as well, of course, mm-hmm. um, and. And the pain is never an end in and of itself also, of course. That's like for the sake of healing. But the it's it's this, this concept of, I think I've talked about this before, but we have this temptation, I think, in our spiritual life 
we kind of treat our religion as like a self-improvement kind of thing, like Mm -hmm. a self-help kind of thing um, where it's like, we're just working to do the things to become a better person. And that's not what it's about. Like it's, it's about transformation. It's about um, becoming one with God, which of course makes us a better person, but that's like the, not the right way to go about it, the reverse. And it's, it's about, we have to have the receptivity. We have to open ourselves for the healing, but we can't do the healing ourselves. And at some point we have to, to trust and to turn it over to God and to say like, I'm declaring spiritual bankruptcy here Mm. and I can't actually change these things within myself, but you can, you know, one of my spiritual daughters recently shared this beautiful Um, She told me I could share this, but shared this beautiful analogy of, she was like, I feel like I just went into surgery and I had to agree to it and I had to open myself up to it. um, And it was exhausting and there's recovery and there's all of that. But like the Lord is the one who was doing all the work um, and he was doing it within me and I had to just allow it. Um, I I read recently... (laughs) This is weird. I don't usually read church bulletins, but uh, one of the nuns shared with us the church bulletin because a priest friend of ours is the new pastor, well, administrator at one of our parishes. I won't say who it is because he'd probably get mad at me for giving him credit, but he did kind of a uh, a Q&A in one of their bulletins um, answering a lot of the questions he's been asked over the last month in being at this parish. And... He talked about having started his discernment at a really early age. And one of the questions that someone that people have asked is, isn't it risky to make such a serious decision when you are not yet mature enough? And I'm going to read just the, it's, it's a, the response is like a paragraph or two, but I want to read just the first few sentences because I, I was really pierced by it. Isn't it risky to make such a serious decision when you are not yet mature enough? And he said, of course it is. It's as risky as putting your life into someone else's hands. For example, as in marriage, or as in the case of a doctor-patient relationship. Believing, trusting, is always a risk. But you can't live without this risk. Vocation is not only about a decision, but first of all, it is an answer to a call. It's not a life project, it's an encounter getting to know the face, God's face, and staying in front of it. He then goes on to talk about like, but yes, there's also a long time of discernment and you don't just like make vows immediately and all of that. So he does go into that as well. But I just was really moved by that. He's like, well, yeah, it's a risk, but but that risk always has to be there. And it reminded me very much of, to go back to Chronicles of Narnia, it reminds me of when the kids first hear about Aslan um, from Mr. and Mrs. Beaver. Oh, I haven't read it in a few years, but one of them, I don't remember whether it's Mr. or Mrs. Beaver, um, Mother Elena and Mother Petra would be able to tell you for sure. But uh, one of the kids hears that he's a lion and um, they say, well, is he safe? And, And Mr. Beaver, Mrs. Beaver, whoever says safe, of course he isn't safe, but he's good. 
Um, and, and I think that's like so much of what, um, yeah, just this, this aspect of the spiritual life of asking God to remove our defects of asking God to, to purge within, like, it's not safe. It's not, it doesn't feel good. Um, but it is good. And, and there's just a certain amount of trust that has to happen there. Um, yeah. The, uh, the other example I want to give from this is from Vespers this evening. So we prayed Vespers for St. Salmon, St. Samson, Salmon. <laughs> I'm kind of hungry. St. Um, <laughs> Samson, the hospitable or the um, hospitaler or the whatever. Um, this translation just says hospitable, but uh, he was an a physician that served people for free. So but the first stakira for him at Vespers said, you quenched the ragings of the flesh with the fiery brightness of the ascetic life, cleansing your mind by unceasingly turning to God. So it's like he lived the life, he lived the ascetic life, and that's how the things happened within him. He turned to God, and that's how his his mind was cleansed. Yeah. Like all of these things were the the turning to God, the opening oneself up. Like it takes action on our part, right? But the action is not the cutting away. The action is the opening up for God to cut away, and um, and I think we just hmm. really get that mixed up um, in our in our spiritual life, and and it's like. You know, for a long time, I just really, really struggled with scrupulosity. The singular most healing moment of my scrupulosity was last year when I almost died on my Pustinia. And um, I'll tell that story on the podcast sometime. But seriously, that was the singular most healing moment wow. of my scrupulosity. Like, wow. it's been almost non-existent since then. And... um but But when I was really struggling with scrupulosity, I just had this mindset of... I have to cut this sin off. I have to fix it. I have to be clean. I have to be pure. And then I can turn to God and um, and be in relationship with Him. But it's like, no, none of those things can happen without being in relationship with Him. Yeah. Like, we can't fix ourselves and then show our face. Um, the Yeah, anyways. There's a, I was talking to a friend the other night about, about, how rare and what a gift silence is. Hmm. And I think that that's part of that gift, that there's a, a certain receptivity to silence. And that's why it's so hard for some people. I mean, like, as in, I don't just mean like quiet silence. I mean, get off your phone, turn off your TV, you know, just, just d- d- remove all of the usual distractions. Even the fathers are very eloquent about, you know, don't let a bunch of thoughts you know, whether they're good or bad, logos moik run through your mind, you know, try to it's like still that hesychasm, that stillness that 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 we can invite in and, and there's a an, an objective receptivity when that happens. And we always try to fill up these voids because I think we're afraid of of what we will hear, whether it's our own angry mind, our own insecurities, or even the voice of God. If, if, if we know that sometimes God brings us into uncomfortable situations in order to heal us. One of the mm-hmm. things Jonathan Bajot also said that was so beautiful was he was, and I, I thought of course of you and then Christ the Bridegroom Monastery immediately was that he said, um, you know, the, the, the paradox of, 
of Christ's, you know, kerygma, the passion, death, and resurrection. The paradox of that is that uh, we all we all desire Eden, and Eden um, has become, in a sense, the the bridal chamber, the bridal chamber where 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 in in relationship, especially in a married relationship, and in, in the the vulnerability and the beauty and the self gift and the joy and all these things that happen in these relationships. But the bridal chamber for Christ became the tomb, mm-hmm. and so so as he says, death and home become the same place, mm-hmm. and that that is that the, the the shock of Christianity. But I thought, of course, with even your icon, Christ the bridegroom, you know. Icon, it, it it shows Christ in the tomb, and the, the, and he's the he's the bridegroom. So that that is the kind of the um, ideal. He's not in the tomb, actually. Sorry, that's that's extreme humility. There's an icon, extreme humility, where Christ is in the tomb. <laughs> but in Christ and, the bridegroom, he like there's all the instruments of the passion. He's holding the spear. His hands are tied. He's like. Got the so, so, so your point is still <laughs> Amen. So in death <laughs> in death he is the bridegroom. <laughs> not not necessarily in the tomb, although there is an icon of that too. Um I'm still gonna forget next time and I'm gonna get the two confused okay. again just just to let you know. Um but uh but yes, yeah, so, so there there's a He looks exactly the same in that extreme humility. Like it's the okay. same picture, he's just then in the tomb. Okay. I'm probably also wrong. Father Deacon Jackson okay. can tell us. <laughs> 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 we'll edit that out that entire thing. No, just kidding. No, we won't. <laughs> for both of us. Um, it's good so, for but, but, our extreme humility. <laughs> right, exactly. But so home becomes home becomes a place of suffering. Like you said, the, the image from Eustace that that's so so great, you know, and sustaining with, with AA and the twelve steps. Like like we we've done this to ourselves. Like like our sin has our habitual sin, especially the things we've done over and over and over again. We need detox. We need healing. We need to be purged of these things. And we are too close to ourselves in a sense to do it ourselves where we don't understand how deep to cut. We don't understand mercy. We don't understand justice. Some days we want to be more merciful to ourselves than we should be. Some days we want to be more just and and and, and horrible to ourselves than we, than we should be. Mm-hmm. It's only in Christ that, that he knows he's the ideal physician, the ideal surgeon of soul and body. He knows where to cut. He knows how to cut. Um, he knows what to give us so that we will not use it as a weapon or use it you know, against our, our growth. Um, there does have to be this all virtue. All virtue ends in receptivity to God's will. That, that, that's, that's the end of all virtue. It does not end in, look, I can do everything myself. That's when Christ, that's when the devil turns virtue against us. Um, but real virtue is, is the 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 growth and the ability to to be receptive and submit and find our joy in in only in Christ Himself. Mm-hmm. And what you're saying about how we don't really know ourselves often um, is a good lead into the last thing that I wanted to share, um, probably, which is a huge part of my retreat. I think my my retreat director kind of mentioned this at one point towards the beginning of retreat. And I think he kind of was just saying it as like a, just a little side note, but it ended up being so much of my retreat. Um, He was talking about how when we have these defects and we ask God to take away these defects, we often try to bargain with him. And, you know, he said, he was like, you know, if someone, say someone really struggles with lust, it might be, well, Jesus, I'm going to give you 
70% of of the lust. You can have 70%. I'm just going to keep this 30 because it's just like I'm giving you most of it, you know, or or greed and it's like I'll give you 80%, but then I'm going to keep this 20% of my greed and and we can start to rationalize of like, well, I I have a family that I need to provide for and so really it's good for me to be working a lot and making more money and so on and so forth and um and when my retreat director was sharing this, I was it wasn't really hitting me because I was like, I don't think I do that. Um <laughs> and because I I don't like in the examples he was giving, I couldn't really relate. Um and but then as I sat with him in prayer, I was like, oh man, like these are the ways that I bargain. I I say you know, I think I think gossip is a really a really common one that this this happens for. It's like, well, um, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna contribute to the thing that the person's saying, but I'm just gonna I'll just laugh because it's awkward to not laugh, mm-hmm. um, and like those kind of bargaining things, right? Um, as opposed to either not laughing or even like saying something about it, or um, well. You know, I have, I have like an attachment in this particular relationship, but I, I really feel like I did a good job of like purifying this aspect of the relationship, and so that's a really good start. And so um, it's okay if I'm a little bit attached in this one area because I already like made so much progress. Or mm-hmm. um, as opposed to just realizing that like no, all of the attachments need to go, <laughs> mm-hmm. and and it's not this bargaining thing of like oh well I've given God a lot and so I I'm just going to keep a little bit to myself and and this becomes so clear I I'm sure I've talked about this before as well but it becomes so clear in monasticism because. <laughs> things just become like we take situations that are lived out in everybody's life but then when you apply them to the monastic life they seem utterly ridiculous um it's like i've given up everything i don't own anything but these are my scissors and so and so didn't put the scissors back at my desk and why didn't they put the scissors back at my desk because i need scissors right now and where are the scissors that are at my desk and then it's like well they're not my scissors and it's not my desk and um but they could have just put them back and and when it becomes you get so frustrated over a stupid pair of scissors and it's like you can see the ridiculousness of it um but that's what we all do with our greed right and and I'm like, those are the ways that I bargain. I say that I want to live poverty. I say I want to own nothing, but then I care about the stupid pair of scissors. Mm-hmm. Or I'm frustrated that so-and-so didn't return the pen that I lent to them. Or I'm annoyed because we have these travel phones and I always take this particular phone when I travel because I've saved the numbers mm-hmm. in it. And one of the other nuns took that to the grocery store and... Mm-hmm. Like, how dare they? How dare they take the phone that I use? Well, it's not my phone. And, you know, and and so it's just like there, there are all of these small, quote unquote, small bargains that we make in our lives. And um, and I, I think that everyone needs to cut out the bargaining. Everyone needs to realize where this is happening. And I think that's what I would encourage you all to pray with this week is like, where are the places that you're bargaining? Where are the places that you feel like God is calling you to something and you're giving him just a small piece of it? Um, 
So that applies to everybody, but I think it particularly applies to people like me who have that like addictive, obsessive personalities. Um, because I, I know I've talked about that before and like even with running, right? And you were like, it doesn't count as addiction if it's running. And I very much beg to differ, uh, which you accepted as I explained that it can get unhealthy. But it's like, well, I watched one episode of this TV show. I guess I have to watch all six seasons now. And, um, or... <laughs> it gets when we were in we were in Colorado and we found out that there was a bear on the property that we were staying on and I wanted to see this bear so bad. So we drove around going on a bear hunt and by bear hunt I mean wanting to see the bear not to shoot it. Um hunting with our eyes and um I didn't get to see the bear. It was really sad, but uh just a black bear not like a grizzly bear. That would have been stupid. Um so it would have just maimed you and left you alive. <laughs> So, um, and, and then I'm just like talking about the bear onto ages of ages. And I'm like, let's go look for the bear again. Let's go look for the bear again. And everyone's like, we're not going to look for the bear again. And then, uh, we're driving from that property to Denver, which is a few hours away. And I pull out one of the travel phones and I'm like looking at it on the drive and, Mother Gabrielle looks at me and she's like, what are you doing? And I was like, nothing. And she's like, you're watching bear videos. And I was like, well, yeah. <laughs> and uh, and this happened when I was obsessed with seeing the gators in Hilton Head and I'm like looking up news articles of gators in Hilton Head and whatever. So so for people who have this, this problem of like the addictive, obsessive behaviors, any kind of bargaining is really dangerous uh, because then it only, it's like you just want more and more. And um, so, yeah, it's like, it's not good for any of us to hold back and to bargain or try to bargain with God. We're not really bargaining with God, but I think it's particularly dangerous for those of us who have that kind of personality. But the last thing I'll say about it is, I was thinking of this as you were talking, Father Michael, about how we... um. Oh, actually, before I share that, let me share something else from Vespers today. It's just this Takira for Monday evenings for Tone 3, which is what we're in. But this is this is the problem of bargaining, um, I think, is when we get into these, like we're content with holding on to particular aspects of our sin. Uh, this Takira says, Having seen how lazy I am in performing virtuous deeds, the cunning serpent beckons me toward the most foul and evil acts. It transforms itself, showing the sweetness of sin, while its own action is, in effect, wicked and contrary to the divine commandments. Thus, it pushes me through evil habits to choose wrong instead of right. And so it's like the more we bargain and the more we have even just these tiny little habitual things, um, tiny really is in air quotes because there's no like little sin, really. It's They're all like breaks in relationship. Um, then then we, we are tempted to choose wrong instead of right. And it's like every bargain that we make just makes those choosing between right and wrong it makes every one of those choices more difficult. But as I was meeting with my retreat director and I was like, well, I realized I do bargain and I bargain in this way and that way. And like, here's a huge bargain that I made a long time ago and so on and so forth. And 
he was like, so I was thinking of this as you were sharing, Father Michael, about sometimes we want to have more mercy on ourselves and sometimes we want to have less. And um, he was like, yeah, those are bargains. Um, But also, God knows you're bargaining when you make them. And like, he sees it and he sees why you're doing it. And he's just kind of looking at you as a child who he's like, you think that you're hiding this from me. I'm actually seeing the entirety of it. And um, and to him, it's kind of like, well, that's cute, you know? Um, and, and so also having the patience with ourselves as we realize those bargains that we're trying to make and realizing that, like, we haven't really been fooling God, even though it maybe sometimes feels like we are. Um, we're fooling ourselves, <laughs> but we're not fooling him. Um, and and he has that patience, and he kind of like lets us come around to it, and um, and offers that mercy. And yeah, I don't know. So I think that's part of a growth in in prayer itself is that we go from we go from just saying what we think we should say. And then kind of hearing what we think we should hear to saying, Lord, I think I'm giving you everything. Although Mm -hmm. I feel some hesitation. Can you please like purify this to make sure I'm giving you everything? You know, I think an immature way of praying is to say, okay, Lord, here's everything. Here's my list. As if we just like, you know, wrote it and then submitted it like an email, you know, here's everything. But, but even seeing our sins and what they are, like an examination of conscience should not just be me doing an inventory of my life. Mm-hmm. You know, an exa- even the examination of conscience should be a dialogue with God. It should be, is that everything, Lord? Is there anything else? You know, I'm about to go to confession and I, I, I'm running all of this by you. I want to listen to you if there's anything else. Um, you know, their, their, their true prayer is, is that awareness that it's not, that Jesus as the lawgiver is not a legal document. He doesn't say do this and don't do this. Um, he is a person. Jesus is, is a person that we can interact with, and and in that interaction, we understand the nuances and we understand the the, the what what's going to purify us. And in the dialogue, we may even hear Jesus say, "You know what? You're going to get better at this. Right now, you're holding some things back. I'm going to be working on making sure you don't do that anymore." Um, but what you're doing now, go ahead and take that to confession. You bring that to me and, and we're going to work on making this even better. And uh, like we, when we, that happens, we don't have the shame of saying it wasn't perfect because mm. Jesus knows it's not perfect. Like you said, and he just said, this is exactly what I need for now. And we'll continue working on this. And I, I think w- if we can walk away from that prayer experience saying that Jesus said, I've given everything I can because he knows how much I can give right now, but he also knows the reasons I'm not giving anything. And he says, we're going to work on that. And he says, we still have time. So so that's what I'm moving forward with. And then we can walk out with the confidence um, and 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 that that ability to prevent by Christ's power, the shame that the devil tries to throw at us for not being perfect at every moment. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I think one one other just little piece of, practical advice as um, as we're praying for the grace to not bargain, as we're praying for the grace to see ourselves more clearly, to see our defects, uh, to ask God to remove them. It can seem kind of hopeless sometimes of just like, well, the defect is still there, and so what do I do? And one of the things that this book mentioned was having an as-if attitude. Um, 
And what what it, what they meant by that was having like choosing to act as if I didn't have this defect, uh, which was a fascinating concept to me because I actually had one moment on retreat that one of my defects, like there was a huge opportunity to act out of this defect, and um, defect. I should have said this at the beginning, but they use defect synonymously with like sin or fault or weakness or whatever. So, anyways, this this particular defect. I had the opportunity to act out of it on retreat. And I was like, well, how would I act right now if I didn't have this defect? And then I chose to act in that way. And it was like a fascinating um, way of trying to address the thing because then it's like, if I'm not acting out of it and if I can train myself, if I can habitually not act out of it, then the defect can start to go away. You know, it's like, mm-hmm. um, this is the whole concept of virtue. It's like the more we practice virtue, the more it becomes habitual. Um, we're pushing out the vice and, and the virtue is becoming the, the predominant, um, the dominant, the, I don't know. Um, anyways, I just thought that was really neat. This, this concept of the as if attitude. And so that's something I would encourage people to practice. I've been, I've kind of forgotten it recently and then I'm trying to get back into it. But, um, but yeah, just like, as I start to notice the defect or the sin appearing, um, then just, so it's sort of like a fake it till you make it attitude, honestly. Uh, mm-hmm. but, but that's what a lot of the Christian life is, right? Like we're choosing the actions, even when we don't feel like it and we're choosing, um, the right thing, even if we don't want to do it or if we're not thinking it or whatever. Um, and and it's like the more often we choose that, it kind of uh, traces back to the origin and starts to alter the origin of the action as well. The uh, every '90s kid is going as if, which is um, I know when I when I first saw as if attitude, that's where I thought they were going with it, and then I was like, <laughs> oh no, they're talking about it like as a good thing. <laughs> they're looking at it in a mature way. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> nice. I, I that that's that's exactly what I try to do when I've shared before, at least with you. I don't know on the podcast that that I try to spend at least a little bit of time every week pretending that I have it all together, and I go. <laughs> If, if I, <laughs> I don't think I've ever heard you say that. <laughs> like I just sit there and I go, "What if?" If I were Rachel Schmidt, no, <laughs> what, exactly. If I had everything together right now, what would I do? And then I try to like actually do that thing. Mm-hmm. So you know, it's like I if I had if I what does the parish need right now? If I had all the time in the world, if I wasn't, you know. Over overloaded and overburdened by stuff already. Like what would I? What does this parish need? If I had the time to do it, and that has been a very, very helpful practice. So it mm-hmm. really is that as if, as yeah. you know, as if I had the time, as if I had, you know, as if I was, you know, more competent in these areas. What would I do? What What would the parish do? And it's like it's such a good practice to kind of think in a way that we never would think, because the devil has a chokehold on us by by mm-hmm. looking at our insecurities and working out of those. I think a really obvious example of it when it comes to. Um, sin is like someone says something that you're really annoyed by and you're tempted to respond in a snarky way, or you're just like, they've already asked this question three times and you're feeling really impatient. Like impatience is a defect. Mm -hmm. Like we want to be patient, right? Love is patient, love is kind, so on and so forth. So like you notice impatience within yourself. 
if you just say to yourself, how would I respond to this person if I were patient? Um, how would I respond to this person if I were charitable? If I, you know, <laughs> and and like respond in that way, um, then that's just, yeah, it's a really, really good practice. Um, and and it had immediate, immediate effects for me. So that's, a, yeah, just a cool thing. So... Amen. I don't know. Any other any other thoughts? No, that was great. Okay. Well, um, we are on all of the social media platforms, and we're also on well, except Twitter. But Father Michael's on Twitter at Padre Michael O. Um, we are on. Um, Goodreads, you can see what we're reading. And uh, there are some like really great discussion groups that happen on Goodreads, on our Goodreads page, which are cool to see between listeners and and our team. And then we have a nonprofit, Fotina, that's P-H-O-T-I-N-A dot org. And if you support our nonprofit on Patreon, Father Michael was talking about that a little bit earlier. Um, one of the things that I did recently with some of the money I was at Holy Resurrection Monastery for my retreat, and so I bought some of their Searcher for the Lost icons because um, that's just like such a beautiful icon. It's the it's based on the the passage in the Bible when um, Jesus is left in the temple, and then Mary and Joseph lose him, and then they go and find him. And um, so the um, I bought like five of those icons, and then want to just like give them to people who are really kind of lost in the faith and who are seeking. Um, so Beautiful. your money has gone to that patrons. So thank you. Um, in part, it also, we also use some of the money for the poor, some for the church, some to support other Christian ministries that are, have similar missions to ours. And then um, we are on YouTube audio only. Praise the Lord. Um <laughs> and this is going to be your cross one of these days when we switch to video as well. One of these days, let's just hope the Amish that Amish country has terrible internet forever, and then we won't be able to do video. And I think that's. I feel like I'm forgetting something pretty big, but I don't know what it is. I mean, we have our email: what God is not podcast at gmail dot com. Um, again, September thirtieth. Half marathon in Akron. If any of you want to run it with us, we have, um, I think, three people right now who are running nice. it with us. Um, but I want more. So if you can come out to Akron and run a half marathon with us on September 30th. And by run with us, I mean, like, I'm not running real fast. So <laughs> you might want to just, just meet me at the beginning. And Can you just push me one of those runner strollers? <laughs> And I can like participate like a baby. without me. Exactly. Yeah. I'll, I'll wear a big pink helmet and ride in a runner stroller. And So weird. <laughs> so many images coming to my mind that are very strange. Um, so anyways, that'll be, that'll be fun. Assuming I don't injure myself before them. I, when we were in Hilton Head, um, some of the kids were skimboarding at the beach and um, mm-hmm. they wanted me to try. And I like basically can't say no to anything that kids ask me to do, <laughs> which is why I crawl around on all fours and play doggy while they use my chotki as a leash. <laughs> Anyways, uh, so I went skimboarding and 
32 is the new 75, man. (laughs) (laughs) I landed smack on my back one time. (laughs) Another time I like my knee is so bruised up and it's just, I did this, I like did probably two thirds of the splits twice. It just, I'm just, it was terrible. Anyways. (laughs) Totally um, worth it. Totally worth it. Um, I don't know why I was sharing that. Uh, oh, I was saying I might injure myself before the half marathon. So oh. there's that. But because um, I'm reckless. Because I'm reckless. <laughs> I think that's it. Okay. Prayer intentions. I should have thought about this beforehand. Pray for my parents. They just moved to Ohio um, this past weekend. So that's crazy. They're staying at an extended stay right now while they're doing house hunting. But. Mm-hmm. Um, they're officially in Ohio by the grandkids and the monastery, and they're really excited. So Barbara and David are my parents, and please pray for them. Father Michael? Um, I have a spiritual daughter who uh, whose name is Mother Natalia, who just recently <laughs> asked me to pray for something for her, and I'll just extend the grace. Mm. Um to, to listener land so they Thank can you. all pray for my spiritual daughter as well. Mm-hmm. Thanks. All right. Well, good being with you. I you may too. or may not love see you. you soon. We'll see. But um, yeah. I love you either way. So. Amen. <laughs> all right. Can you ask? <laughs> that wasn't passive aggressive at all. <laughs> I, th- I think you started being passive aggressive and you decided to change it mid-sentence. <laughs> All right, can you give us a blessing? <laughs> the Lord bless you and keep you. Cause his face to shine upon you, have mercy on you. May our Lord help you to see him as a healer, as a merciful judge, as a educator, a teacher. May our Lord, you understand our Lord's patience with you and his desire that you be purged completely of anything you that in any way keeps you from him. Uh, may you also understand that you cannot heal yourself of the the big ways that Christ wants you to heal. You can save yourself, but our Lord wants you to bring you into those realities and he desires and even pursues you in giving you these great gifts, especially the gifts of healing. May our Lord bless also your family and may he allow you to call to mind those in your life and ask for intercession for those who also need healing, that their hearts may be softened also through this community of the church of the body of Christ. May our Lord give you everything you need and everything that you truly desire towards the true good, even the salvation of your soul. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.